welcome back. My name is Dr. Wei Chun Wan. I am so happy to be here today with my co-host, Mr. Joey DeGangji. Hey, everyone. For those of you that have been tuning in, know that we use this platform to share new things with you, as well as introducing new ideas and talk about, you know, generally what happens in the economy. Mm-hmm. Right? And it is no secret that COVID, the pandemic, has wrecked havoc. Everybody. Everyone. Feeling it. Everyone is feeling it. And I would say that particularly higher education industry has been feeling it. Yeah, yeah, they've definitely gotten. Yeah, they're they're on the the worst end of that. The Department of uh, Labor in February 2021 actually published a report, mm-hmm. and that report actually said that higher education institutions in the United States had cut around 650,000 jobs. Mm. Another report that I came across said that one in every seven to eight people that used to work in higher ed got laid off. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. And, and it's all because, you know, last March, obviously, uh, when COVID caused the shutdown, higher education institutions um, have to stop um, the in-person instruction. Mm-hmm. And they send students home. Yeah. And most people don't know that the rim and bore revenue actually constitute a very important part of the revenue generating source for most higher education institutions. Right. Right. Obviously, if your institution relies on mainly just the internet um, and online delivery, you you save yourself from that. But majority right. of the higher education institutions, the rim and bore revenue is a big piece. Yeah, for the online, it's a completely different operating model. And, right. Yeah. And so society has been criticizing higher education institutions for years now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And partly because 20 years ago, um, you know, students want to go to college and they get student loans. The loan payment every month after they graduate is in the range of $150 to $250. Mm. Right now, that number is close to $650, $700 even, right. Right? depending on the, the type of institution that you go to and the, the, the amount of money that you borrow. So it's becoming – higher education has become more and more uh, unaffordable. Mm-hmm. And the society has been criticizing the value that higher education institutions provide. For those of you that have been following us, um, know that I concurrently hold a professorship in a right. small residential college. And uh, I've been doing it for a while. And I, I really love what I do because I can see the lives that I have changed. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that understand uh, and know the connection between um, Joey and I, know that Joey actually was uh, one of my students in the classroom. And yep. he probably graduated uh, from the institution that I teach at uh, with a business degree. Yep. And so, Joey, obviously, you've gone through the college selection process, and you ended up attending a small residential college. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing a little bit about you know, why you made that decision and, and what that had meant to you? Yeah, I mean, so for me, when I graduated high school, I started out, I um, – I liked a lot of different things. My my interests were kind of scattered, but um, but I didn't know what I was really passionate about yet. I, I didn't have a clear idea of what I wanted to do with my life. And so for me, the biggest thing was not trying to find a, a place that would teach me what to do or teach me how to get that job I wanted because I didn't even have a clear picture of what that was yet. So I wanted to find a place where I'd have a chance to connect with the professors and, and really get an idea and kind of help understand, identify what, what am I passionate about, what am I naturally inclined to do. Um, and how to have a you know fulfilling life after that. Like, but I think you have to start by finding those things out, and you need to talk with people that have done more and seen more than you. 
So I guess I'm asking a rhetorical question. Were you able to find what you were looking for? Yeah. Yeah. At graduation, because yes. I, I will tell you, I mean, obviously, without the opportunity to to get to know Joey at the personal level because of the environment that we yeah. were in uh, in yeah. college, I, I wouldn't even um, have oh, yeah. the opportunity to to become a business partner with Joey, right? And I wouldn't even have the opportunity to to bring him into my business endeavors, right? Yeah. And and you know, I would say that um, people that come to small residential colleges, in particular. That, that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, in the United States, there are roughly, what, 3,400, 3,500 four-year degree-granting institutions. There's, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, back in the days, um, people go to college because they're looking for skills. Right. Right. But now it has changed because it's easy to access information. It's easy to train yourself with skills that right. you want to learn. You could go to YouTube. Yeah. And and look for things that you want to learn. Mm-hmm. You could even utilize the certificates provided by um, you know, corporates uh, yeah. in the United States to learn various skills. Yeah, Google, LinkedIn, I saw even Fiverr has different certification programs now inside. Every, right. Everyone's. Exactly. Yeah. So now we have a slightly different problem. I mean, there's way too many, way too many uh, alternatives, way too much information. And, and people don't have the knowledge enough or analytical skills enough to sift through the useful or useless information to right. and to get to the intelligence right. that they need. Um, so the purpose of college has changed, mm-hmm. right? And I deeply believe in cultivating the well-roundedness. I don't believe that my job as a professor is to just teach skills right. because skills you could easily learn, but the well-roundedness and how do I you know, make sure that my students understand what their purposes are how do I make sure that they, you know, get to um, uh, find things that excite them to enrich their life? Right. I think that's the part that I, I want to focus on. I want to support the students in whatever way I can, but I want to give them something that they could latch on. That is the well-roundedness. That is the, the whole person education that I, that I want to provide. But, but at the end of the day, I, I don't think that, um, you know, the, especially the prospective students and parents – are looking for that because they they look at the price tag right and they are calculating return on investment mm-hmm. right and they they forget the fact that you know college education actually includes a transformative transformative component in it the, right. the come of age experience right. that that their children should be getting because at the end of the day i mean skill base is very very important mm-hmm. but through my lens as faculty i want to foster citizenship Right. I want to give students an agency to look for what they want and to find joy in their lives, mm. right? Um, so, and I often argue this, you know, the, the jobs that you see today didn't exist 20 years ago, and the jobs that you will be seeing 20 years from now most likely don't exist today. So I could teach skills all I want, but sometimes those skills get obsolete. Right. What instead I want to give my students the ability to teach anything that – themselves anything that they want to learn yeah i saw i forget i forget where i saw it now but they, mm. they were talking about like in some very highly technical fields like mm. what you learn your freshman year may or may not still be the most relevant information by the time you graduate you know fourth year or finish your master's degree right it's yeah everything's changing so fast right now and that's before you factor in pandemic Absolutely. and the, everything's changing rapidly 
But but the problem is, is I, I cannot overlook the criticism that higher education receives mm-hmm. because the, it is a hefty price that you need to pay. Oh yeah, no doubt. You know, to 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 attend college and and we talked about uh, you know affordability, mm-hmm. but it's no secret that it's costly. It's still costly. I mean, maybe oh, yeah. not the sticker price because. Most colleges don't even charge sticker price. Yeah, there's there's scholarship and there's other other ways to bring that down. Right. But still, it's still hefty. Oh, yeah. So how do we make sense of it? I mean, the fact that, you know, without room and board, most colleges cannot survive is alarming. That mm. fact is alarming. Because you look at the colleges, they certainly don't provide dorms like Hilton or uh, Marriott, <laughs> right? But they charge pretty much comparable <laughs> To the prices charged by hotels. Yeah. So yeah. What, are, what are we missing here, right? So it seems like there's, there's a significant operational inefficiencies that exist in some institutions. Right. And if you, look at, if you look at, you know, in higher ed, we talked about the demographic cliff. Because from the last great recession, the, the last recession, 2008, 2009, the, the childbirth rate went right. down significantly. Right. Which means that 18 years from that point on, you're not going to have the number of high school graduates enough to support the 3,400, 3,500 four-year degree granting institutions. Right. The numbers just do not check out because those who will be going to college in 2025, 2026 have already been born. And you can't change the fact. Yeah. Right? So the, the, the 18-year-old the traditional market has changed, right? So all these institutions and they've they've already there are already a lot of institutions that that have that have folded yeah especially in the northeastern region of the united states because this is the place where the demographic um uh, cliff will hit particularly hard particularly Mm. hard okay right so so all these institutions they're scrambling right now Mm -hmm. right and and covid really was the last straw for right. a, a lot of the students, that, for a lot of the institutions that didn't make it, mm-hmm. right? So how do we make sense of it? Because, you know, I don't want to analyze this using a business lens, but these institutions rely on tuition to right. sustain. And we, we as, as a faculty member um, in one of them, I deeply believe in the value that we provide. But as a business practitioner, I also know that Colleges are really slow to adapt and change. Mm-hmm. Think about the programs that we offer. Think about the courses that we offer. Right. Right? I mean, are we fulfilling the needs of the society? I mean, not necessarily just the skills. And when we preach the importance of well-rounded education, how do we prove our value? Mm-hmm. Right? How do you um, assess that we've done what we aim to do? Right. Mm. Talking about the soft skills, I mean, I, I read a, a report that Google did internally uh, that talked about, you know, the the seven or eight attributes that they were looking uh, in new hires. Right. Right. And out of that seven or eight attributes, majority of them are what we call soft skills. Mm-hmm. Right. The ability to work in teams. Right. Creativity, entrepreneurial spirit, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. We don't assess them in, a, in our classroom because it's really difficult to assess. Right. And, and the fact that they are difficult to assess doesn't mean that they're not important. It's quite the opposite. I mean, who would argue that creativity is not important? Who would argue 
that being entrepreneurial and being able to innovate and spark changes is not important. Yeah, oh, nobody. Right? Right. And how do you cultivate leadership or ethical leadership, mm -hmm. right? We do that in such an implicit way throughout our curriculum. Mm -hmm. in, the high, in any higher education institution. And, and I would argue that if you go to ask presidents of any higher education institution, they will argue, oh, you know what? These, these are the things that, that we focus on because mm -hmm. we understand the value of it. But we don't know how to assess. Right. Right. And even for, for example, like writing, right? Mm -hmm. It's extremely important. But do you know that in order for you to um, uh, teach good writers, you have to actually make an effort Right, because not only you have to give writing assignments, you really have to be patiently giving feedback, mm -hmm. um, and so that the students could actually, you know, get back and revise, and then uh, maybe do another round. That takes time. Yeah. Oh yeah. That takes time. And in a in a small residential college setting, you would have the luxury of right. having that personalized attention that right. you otherwise wouldn't have in a larger institution. That, but obviously, larger institutions, they have the research capacity, and they do great things as well. Right. But at the end of the day, when you just resort uh, to the skill-based education, and when you just focus on getting the certificates so that you, you could show and demonstrate to the employers that the certain skills that you have, I don't think that's really limiting. I, I think that's really limiting what we're looking for in in employees or even in good citizens. Right. I mean, I would just talk even our own hiring practices. Like we've, you know, over the past uh, you know, several months, we've had the chance, we've brought on quite a few team members. Um, and, you know, we, we, there are certain skills like we require that they have. Um, we, but we hire people based on, you know, our best assessment at least of their, of those other factors outside of just the, the hard skills. Mm -hmm. Um, and then afterwards, you know, we'll, we'll have them go and get Google Analytics certified. We'll have them do the, the uh, Facebook ads training program. We'll have them do all of these different things depending on, you know, the, the job that we're going to be including them on. But we, it's a lot easier to teach those things. It's a lot easier to go out and get those certifications. Right. And so, so people have been asking me, so what, what caused the problem in higher education? What was the single cause that really bloated the operating cost? Mm. of higher education institutions. I mean, a lot of higher ed institutions in the past 20 years have been really ramping up facilities trying to attract students, right, right? with the new stadiums or with mm -hmm. the new buildings or new dorms, and which, you know, obviously part of the reason mm -hmm. um, that the operating cost of uh, higher education institutions had been increasing was because of that, right? right? But at the same time, I mean, the education quality, which I believe is still there, mm -hmm. but the program offerings are less and less attractive, right? Mm -hmm. Because the higher education curriculum is very rigid. Right. Especially, you know, the faculty, when the faculty designed the curriculum, they based upon their own experiences. They draw upon their own experiences right. from their own academic training, right? Mm -hmm. now, now, I went through the entire graduate training i'm an i'm an academically trained economist and i know how rigor how rigorous that was right but here's the thing i mean if i just resort back to my academic training if i wanted to convey all the information um, to my students you know i become very narrowly focused right and as a business professional i will tell you that the world doesn't operate that way 
Yeah. And we keep telling students that, you know, you have to focus on interdisciplinary training because, you know, you, you can't possibly be finishing all the work on your own. You have to learn how to work in teams. You have to also know a little bit of everything mm -hmm. so that you know when you, whenever you need help who you go to. Right. Right? right. So that interdisciplinary piece is important. However, it goes against the traditionally trained faculty mm -hmm. who go through, like I said, the rigorous academic right. training. And, and so when the curriculum is designed, we, we seem to be very distant from what the world is looking for, mm -hmm. right? And, and again, it is no secret that higher education institutions are very slow to change and adapt, which is really um, uh, different from the environment that we're used to, you know, because yeah. as business pr practitioners, we can't afford not to change. Right. And one of the episodes we talked about COVID, I, I even discussed COVID, I'm not sure whether you remember, I even discussed COVID with a level of excitement. Because mm -hmm. it is COVID that I believe as a business professional that creates opportunities. Right. Because you want, you want people to panic. You want your competition to panic because that'll create opportunities for you to cut in right. and present something new. Yeah. Right. But that requires speed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and, and the, the kind of market dynamics that you would hope to have as a business pr practitioner is that you, you, you want to win. Mm -hmm. You want to win. Of course. But in a higher education in, in, in environment, it's very difficult to institute changes. Right. And we all know that changes threaten the ways of living. Right. It's going to cause short-term discomfort. Right. And, and let me ask you this question. So from the business lands, why wouldn't that cause problems? Why wouldn't change cause the s same level of problems as it causes the higher education institutions? So... Oh, man, I mean, I I would say I think a lot of business like they're 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 I think you get used to a certain level of uncertainty. Yeah, and I think that there, there's no escaping that, especially small businesses, especially you know if, if you're you're entrepreneurial, you're you're always looking. You know, it's, you're you're used to it, and you're looking for, it. you're anticipating, it. you're kind of like lying in wait sometimes. Like you were like you were saying, <laughs> oh, you're you're waiting for it. what's that next big thing? Right. You know, maybe I missed the last one, or I. Didn't, What's the next one? I want. I want that yes. next one. You, you, you're gearing up for the next, you know, the next season, next, next right. outing to go. That's right. To go uh, pounce on that, on that changing event, and I think that's it's a different mentality. Because we need to, we as business professionals need to stay ahead of the curve at yeah. all times. And you're constantly like, you, you can predict like, you know, a hundred things and hope that one of them's right, so you can get ready for it. But you're, you're always looking for that next one. Right. So I'm struggling because I, I live in both worlds. And yeah, I understand yeah. what my uh, faculty colleagues or administrative colleagues are thinking, right? Because yeah. they, they're not used to that idea. But at the same time, now the changes is forced upon the higher education right. uh, institutions. What do they do, right? So are we catering to the student needs? Or are we catering? We say we are, but are we catering to the modern student needs? Mm. And what are the modern student needs, right? Um, so I'm a deep believer of, of uh, experiential learning opportunities. Right. Um, I, I design uh, uh, internship opportunities. I provide hands-on 
uh, experience it to my own students. I, you know, design study abroad trips because I want to give students the international experiences that they deserve. As today, you know, it's a global society. People have to have that experience before they could be successful. But having said all that, the higher education curriculum, the, the changes that happen in higher education institutions are not rapid enough to warrant the the kind of impact hmm. that we want, right? So, so I, th- I think a lot of uh, uh, institutions there are they're in the they are not yet in the do or die mentality. They don't yet have the do or die mentality. Gotcha. And and I I really think that's alarming mm. because you can't. You can't force. You cannot force innovation. Right. Right. And oftentimes you want to have a thousand flowers bloom. Mm-hmm. Right. And and they might not sustain. But if you don't even have that environment, you can't even identify what's the next big thing. Right. I right, mean, right, in right. running business, we we want to try. We try. We want to try all these different approaches, and we want to see what works. And if if there's one thing works that works, we'll double down. Yeah, you just keep pressing. I'll, I'll keep pressing, right? Yep, yep. But what about higher ed? I don't see that. Right. Right. I don't get to see that. And 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 change is is difficult. Well, granted, in a larger uh, business, right? You know, with a lot of headcount, it's also difficult to implement changes. Yeah, yeah, we see that a lot. But too. but there's there's one thing. I mean, as a business consultant, we would know. But there's one thing that's that's distinctive in that in a larger organization business, mm-hmm. those who carry the P and L responsibility, right, they will call the shots. <laughs> yeah, right. Because at the end of the day, it's their responsibility to to make sure they have the fiduciary responsibilities. Right, right. They need to res- they need to be responsible for the s- stakeholders. Yeah, and wouldn't you argue that s- similar things should happen in higher education institutions? I mean, who yeah, who are the stakeholders? The students are stakeholders. Right. the 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 board of trustees are stakeholders. Right. Right. And the um the the society is the stakeholder mm-hmm. because the majority of the students, I mean, very rarely you would have. You would have higher education institutions that have, you know, students that are, that hundred uh, percent fund themselves with tuition. I mean, they oftentimes oh, no. need to rely on some sort of loans, or yeah. they even borrow from from family members. So, what is? How do we make sense of it? What is the sense of urgency in higher education institutions? I'm not even talking about survive. I'm talking about thrive. Mm-hmm. How do you thrive in the face? of the challenges that is COVID, that is demographic cliff that's coming in 2026. Like I said, those children would have been born 18 yeah. years ago. Yeah. You, you can't change the fact that the number of higher educa- uh, the high school graduates will plummet in 2026. And, and I, I argue, I think, um, in 2024, most institutions will act out of desperation, mm-hmm. right? So how do we preach the society that we are fulfilling our mission? And what is our mission? 
we talk about cultivating well-roundedness. Is it for small business owners or employers that are looking for employees? Would college degree still be the thing that they're looking for? What do you think? I think it is. I think it would go, you know, kind of beyond, like, it's, you know, I think so many people at this point, like, they're, a lot of people have college degrees. A lot, I think you need to look for something kind of beyond that. And you look at, like, what kind of experiences did they, did they get as a college student. That's when you get into, like, that well-roundedness that you're talking about. Right. So at the end of the day, what what is it that higher education institutions should be focusing on? Right? Is it the affordability? Is it the student learning outcomes? Um, I guess it's all of it. Mm. Right, because I think we're serving the greater good. We're just not. We're not just uh, you know job training centers. I, I refused <laughs> to think myself, uh, who's a faculty member, that is only the instructor in a job training center. Right. Because I certainly don't just provide the skills as I mentioned so many times. But what what is it that that what is our value proposition? Right. Because at the end of the day, we know that. We're contributing to the greater good. I argue it's the fact that we're fostering citizenship, the fact that we're pushing students to navigate and explore and take chances in the things that they learn to try to find joy in life, the, the, the fact that we're pushing them to find the things that will, they'll give, that will give them the, the sense of fulfillment and a sense of accomplishment that really makes higher education distinctive mm. and valuable, right? So there's certainly improvement that can be made in the higher education segment. Mm. No doubt about it. I don't think that higher education institutions have been operating in the most efficient manner through the business lens. Right. Um, and, and changes are imminent. Mm. Um, you know, there's no doubt that higher education it, uh, institutions need to be innovated, um, need to uh, make changes and uh, to ramp up their program offerings to cater to the modern students' needs. But there's also no doubt that the value of higher education institutions exist. Right. We push the society. We advance the society. Um, you know, if you're looking at just, for example, the job skills, um, 2008, the Great Recession, after that, a lot of jobs were wiped. Mm-hmm. The, the types of jobs that came out to replace the old jobs, majority of them require college education. Right. So it must mean that the higher education institutions are contributing to the society in a certain way. But I argue it's actually beyond that. We need to look beyond just the jobs and just the skills. Because the career readiness, while important, it's only a small component in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Right. When we talked about how, you know, when people graduate from college, normally 21, 22 years old, there are 43 working life ahead of them. Right. It's not only about jobs. It's about enrichment. It's about finding something that people are passionate about. And that transformative experience that higher education institutions provide, as evident from my interactions with students, yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, even with the... Um, the job screening process. I mean, as an employer, I, when I interview candidates, I ask them about what they like to do. Yeah. Right? Because I'm not hiring a machine. I want to hire 
a real sensible human being. You need, you need substance. I need substance. I need depth. I need yeah. that adeptness. But the adeptness cannot be taught. Right. It has to come from, you know, the the, the immersion of either experiential learning opportunities, as we call it in the higher education um, segment, or it has to come from the interaction with people that care about you, that want to yeah. support you in your education journey. So it's not just about skills. It's about you know, people that are willing to invest in you and cultivate you. Um, so for, for the society to understand what we truly provide, it actually requires you to look beyond the career readiness. Yeah. It requires you to look beyond the ROI. But this is not, I'm not trying to make an excuse. Like I said, I mean, I think higher education institutions, they, they, they have a lot to learn from business practitioners. Because mm -hmm. when we analyze the performance of business, right. we use uh, uh, metrics that's different from the higher education institutions. Now, I'm not saying that higher education institutions um, are business. Right. But any organized operation would have to be mindful of the financial resources of that course. they have. And you, you put resources. You yeah. need resources to fulfill the mission. Yeah, and there's a difference between revenue and profit because nonprofit right. organizations would still need revenue to right. survive. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think people oftentimes mistakenly think that, oh, you know what, nonprofit, you shouldn't make money. Well, that's different, right? Because right. you need revenue to sustain. Financial right. sustainability is important because that dictates your survival. Yeah. And I guess what I'm saying is, you know, from the value proposition perspective, there is a lot to talk about in higher ed and people are so narrowly focused in that one thing that is the ROI I mean you could go on YouTube you could watch a bunch of videos but that doesn't make you a well-rounded individual right and as an employer I could tell you I don't I call me biased but I I'm, I'm looking for depth I'm right. looking for um, people that have gone through that transformative experiences mm. Hopefully that you've learned something from uh, our conversation today and that you enjoy our analysis. And, um, you know, I'll love to see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.